Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. This morning, I want to talk to you about a thing called silent victory. So would you bow your head with me, please? Father, we thank you today that your word never comes back void. Sometimes when we listen to the sermon, Father, we hear the word and that's where we get stuck and we hear your voice in it. And so, Father, this morning as I preach, I pray all those things that are not from you, Father, we just let them fall to the ground. And all those things that are you, Lord God, I pray that they'll stick to the spirit, Father God, so that we would grow in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd be, if somebody would be so kind as to get me a glass of water, I feel like my tongue's getting stuck to the roof of my mouth, yay. <laughs> so just lately I've been reading through the book of Joshua. I get stuck on scriptures, I don't read copious amounts of scriptures, I just read a scripture and sometimes I can stay there for days, sometimes months, now and again nearly half a year because God wants it's like a juice extractor. I want to squeeze every single thing I've got in, in that scripture out so that I understand what the Spirit of God is saying to me. So I've been stuck in Joshua for a while. And this book is all about how in order for the promises of God to be fulfilled requires obedience. Thanks, Jean. You're the bomb, man. Um, it requires obedience and cooperation of the people. So when you know this, then you've got to think to yourself, there must be a command that God makes, and it's the truth. That's what happens all the way through Joshua. And so it's still the same today for you and I. God wants to, us to cooperate with him, not to tell him what to do. I'm good at telling him what to do. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. Layers. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I have a better idea, Lord. I say it nicely. I don't say I know better than you, but it sounds the same when I pray. And so God wants us to cooperate with him. And so when he speaks to our heart, we will obey immediately, not think about it, not try and, you know, negotiate with God. Actually, I think this would happen better. He wants us to do things immediately. And how many of you <laughs> have to pause and take it in and then pray by the time the moment's shifted? And we're going, wait, God, wait for me. And he goes, no, no, you take your time. I'm going to go and find someone else. So we want God in our lives, in our little circle, amen, in our little box, should I say. We want God to do it our way. But so we go through Joshua. And Joshua has come to the city of Jericho. And Jericho only covers seven acres. My son tells me an acre is about two rugby fields. So it wasn't a very big city. So most of the people lived in the surrounding district. And, uh, and uh, what happened was that these people, they weren't Israelites. The Israelis, were, the Israelites were coming down towards the city of Jericho. And um, the people heard, and they heard what God had done in their lives. And they were afraid of the Israelis because... God was on their side. So they went into the city and they shut up the doors really tightly. So that's where we find Joshua in chapter 6. 
And the Lord says to Joshua, because the Lord says to Joshua, I'm giving you the city. Not I will give you the city, but I have given you the city. I have given you the kings. I have given you the men of valour. So you would think, wouldn't you? Okay, sweet ass. We'll just go in there. And then God says, but. Don't you hate it when God says, but? I mean, you're cruising along thinking, this is going to be awesome. And it's going to be easy. And then God says, but. And you're like, eh, stuck. And God says, but. Uh, I want you, chapter 6, verses 3 to 5. Let's just go there. And it says this. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you will do six days. And seven priests shall bear or seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city. Da, 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 da. And you think this thing that would take an instant is going to take us seven days. Why four, God? Well, that's the Mary interpretation of why is this happening, Lord? Why four, God? <laughs> and it's because of this. Whenever we are going towards something and we're going to hit a big victory, God wants us to grow. Amen. Because if what happens to kids, oh, sorry, if, you, if I ask you a question, you're allowed to answer me back because that's why we do it in my congregation. So... <laughs> Why do you reckon God wants to do that? Because he wants us to grow. Amen? Every process we go through is for growth. Every process we go, whether it's to teach us how to pray, to teach us how to get faith, to teach us how to look after somebody else and not ourselves, every single process we go through, God's teaching us something. If you keep saying, I'm not going to go through that process, Nothing happens. We get stuck in the same place. Amen? So God is always creating places for us to be able to go through a process so we can grow and grow and grow. So the Lord says, but I want you to march the children of Israel around the city seven times, blow the shofars and shout on the last day and the walls will come down. And if you're anything like me, you say... That is not a plan, God. Where's the logic in that plan? Walk, walk, walk. I know how to do this. You get this thing called a battering ram and you blow down the, the, the gates. Hey, that's how you do it, eh? Take your bow and arrows out like they do on um, Lord of the Rings. Pull it back and you shoot a few people. That's how you take a city. Hey. Yeah, see, you guys think like me. Your fella said you don't ever question God. Come on. I do. I question God the way he does things. And from there, the onset of the command to the, my questioning, I don't know how long I take sometimes, whatever. And God's going, come on, do it this way. I told you, do it this way. I'm going to show you some things. And I'm thinking, nah, we do it this way. Do it my way. It's easier. I've done this before. But... I would like to say that I would, I would just say to God, okay, I'll do like he said. But it doesn't ever work that way. And moreover, I usually say to God, that's the craziest plan I've ever heard. And yet this happens. And God has got it sorted. One of 
some of his favourite verses is, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Some of you finish it off. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and... Yeah, yeah. He says that to me all the time, which, which sometimes is good depending on how I'm feeling on a day. Some days I think, ah, shut up. <laughs> I don't want to trust in the Lord. But yeah, sorry, sorry. That was a so then lean, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Somebody says this. And lean, which means support yourself. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't support yourself on your own understanding. In all your ways, this is the course you take or the mode of action that you take, acknowledge, which means be in direct, intimate contact with God. And he shall make straight or make right your paths. So lean not on your own understanding. Yes, we have wisdom from God. Yes, we have our own wisdom. But some of the times when God asks you to do something, you can't see the end because you might mess with it. Hey, you mess with the end of it. Say, oh no, I'll go this way. You say left, I'll say right. You say right, I'll say left. You mess with the end and the outcome is a mess. You think of things through the Bible that God says. What do you say to Noah? Build an ark. What's an ark? Well, Noah had never seen a boat before. He'd never seen a flood. What's a flood? And then he said, build it, because I'm going to destroy the earth. So Noah thought, oh, okay, you're God, I'm not. Okay. These are things that happen. What about Moses? How am I going to get the, 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 the armies advancing? My people are here, the sea's over there, what am I going to do? And God says what? Lift up your staff. Come on, lift up your staff. <laughs> yeah, all right, let's lift up the staff and see what happened. Because God will be glorified in these victorious moments, amen? Not us. I'm so cool, I know how to lift up my staff. Go figure. <laughs> so hard to do. How did you lift it? Well, I took off the, took the end and I, I went like this and I bent my knees and I lifted it up and then I took the curve and I went over like this. Come on. And you lift up the staff. That's all you did. We try, we try and make it sound flash, eh? I bent my knees, I lift the staff and I took a curve. I don't think Moses said that. He just said, I lifted up my staff because God said. And so God knows stuff. And so he's saying to the people, of, uh, saying to Joshua, I want you to do this. I don't want you to take your battering ram and blow down the gates. I want you to get the people to walk around. And so the Lord was going to show the people of Israel something wonderful, going to teach them how to grow. You see, Joshua had been walking this walk for a while and he knew God was faithful. So he wasn't going to, he was going to argue with God, was he? He was just going to say, okay, that's what you say. That's fine. But he also knew the people. Oh dear. <laughs> because during the walk through the desert, the people would cry like babies. Give me something, give me something. God goes, oh, I can't stand the sound of the people. And, and Moses goes, please, Lord, please have mercy upon the people. Go, Moses. And God would relent and he'd bless the people. 
you know, Joshua knew the people. Moses was dead. He was the new leader. So being the good leader that he is, what he did was he took the command of God and he said, okay, this is going to work, but the people. So he put a couple of things around it, which was real news to me. He said, I don't want you to talk. God has just said, march around. But Joshua said, I don't want you to talk. I don't want you to make a peep when you're walking. He's a good leader. If I was in his band, I'd say, who made you my king and my God? Because we do that with leaders. Or people do that to us when you're leading them. Joshua was a good man. And he also realised that people would be fearful. So he said, right, we'll get some men who are good at war and they'll stand on the front and the back and we'll walk around. So Joshua knew his people because a generation before, if you go back to Numbers chapter 13, he was with, I've got a new Bible so this could take a little while. Oh, here we go. Numbers 13, he was with Moses that fateful day when Moses had gotten to the end, he got to the entrance of the uh, promised land that God had said would be flowing with milk and honey. And that was the fateful day he sent the spies into the camp. Do you remember that story? They'd come to this place and he said, right, we're going to send some spies up into the city to see what the land is like. So this is all in Joshua's history when he's looking at, I know my God, I know he's faithful, I also know the people, I know what they did. Because that very event caused him to be wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And he didn't want to go back there. Right. Amen? Yeah. He didn't want to go back there. So he thought to himself, oh, I've got to put some things into place so the people will be okay. So they won't mess this up. Because it's too big. Because if those, this goes wrong, a whole nation will be wiped out. So being the good leader, like I said, he, was, he said, okay, I don't want you people to talk. Because he'd gone back one generation before in his mind and he remembered that fateful day that they were sent into the desert for 40 years. And on that day, when Moses sent them up, he said to them, I want you to go into the land and spy it out. See whether the people are strong or weak. See whether there are few or many. Whether the land is good or bad. Whether the cities were just like camps or whether they were fortresses. Whether there were forests there, which meant good growth, or not. And Moses said to them, also, bring back some fruit so that I can see for myself what it's like. That was the what he was saying. And the spies brought back the report that the land was indeed bountiful, truly the promised land that flowed with milk and honey. But also, they brought back fruit between two poles. Imagine this. There's two poles with a bunch of grapes in the middle. And I've heard the story so many times it's becoming normal. But what is normal about a bunch of grapes that's been held on two poles by two people? 
there is nothing normal about that. And one of these things, one of the things I caution you, when you read the word, make sure that you don't skim over these things because we know the story. It's not a story. It's there for us to look and learn and know that God is an abundant God. Amen? He wants to bless us. Don't skim over the stories that you know where Jesus was born and the angels came and all the rest of it. Because I skimmed over this Joshua story, I never realised it was Joshua who made the decision, not God, to keep the people quiet. And there's little things that you do miss when you go over the word of God and you skim over it just to get... Oh, anyway, that's another story. I won't go there. So the spies also reported... This is the other thing. The other spies also reported that the people were big, what they call anakims, giants, like uh, Goliath of Gath. He was one of those. He came down from that line. They were big people. And they also said, ooh, and the city's like a fortress. The city's like a fortress. You can't get anywhere near them. The people are big. And then they've got big weapons. They're going to kill us. Because we see ourselves as grasshoppers, and so they must too. So this talk went on and on, and it must have been a real noise. Negative, negative, negative. Too big, too small. Didn't God say that we were going to have this? Oh, it doesn't matter. It's too big. These people are too big. The fortress is too strong. And so their heads are, oops, their heads are in this area. Negative talk, negative talk, negative talk. And it wraps itself around us. I'm talking now here. Because the thing is this. Caleb did this in verse 30. Numbers chapter, gee, I better tell you something from the Bible, otherwise you're going to think, Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, Moses said in verse 30, I think it's 1330, then Caleb quietened the people before Moses and said, let's go up there and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. That's what Caleb said. We can do this. We can do this, guys. But then there was the other 10 that were saying, they're too big. They're too big. They see us like grasshoppers. We're grasshoppers. We can't do it. And fear sets in. Yeah? Yeah. Faith, in Hebrew says, faith is the substance of, the evidence of, and fear is the straight opposite of that. Fear is the substance of things I'm afraid of, things that are going to hurt me. The evidence of what I can see with my eyes, hear with my ears, feel with my emotions. There is nothing in there that is God. Faith is God. I got you. You're going to be okay. Walk. But we say, nope, I'm scared. I'm afraid. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. It's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt me. I can't do that one thing. It's going to hurt me. Fear says this, I'm afraid of what people will think. I'm going to look like a fool. Amen? Fear is having not enough money. Listen to me, money. 
failure is not having the financial financials to do the thing that you need to do next. And the word says he's always got something to say, God, by the Spirit. I can take care of the birds. I can look after you. I can feed you. You will never be impoverished. Never. If you listen to me, listen to what I've got to say. You know, most of the times we get to that place where we have to use the faith because we've done things our own way for so long. We've found ourselves in a mess. First place to go, repentance. Repentance. Sorry, God. I wasn't a good steward of your money. There's something we're learning in my congregation next door. Being good stewards, whatever God gives you, use it well as unto God. And so we find ourselves there, but God, isn't he? He's amazing, isn't he, God? He wants to look after us. But so often we walk away and say, God, I got this. You look after those amazing things and I'll look after me. But he wants to look after you. So if you go on in that chapter, you'll see what the other spies said. Actually, this is what they said. But the men who had gone up with them said, we're not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than us. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had been spying, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Chippers, they've gone right at OTT, talk about. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature, the big fellas. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, where the giant, where Goliath came from. And we were like grasshoppers in our sight, so we must be grasshoppers in their sight. So now they're believing the opposition. And we can so do that, can't we? Believe the opposition. So people say to us, Wish God. And you start thinking, yeah, where is my God? God doesn't do miracles. That's only for back in the old days. Yeah, he doesn't do miracles. Nah. We just pray, that's all we do. And we start believing the things that other people are saying. When we know our God, because he's brought us through so much, and he wants to do it again and again and again, if only we will Bless him. And if you go on in chapter 14, it goes how the congregation lifted up their voices and began to cry and weep, same old, same old. <laughs> cry, weeping, complaining to Moses, why did you bring us here? We would have been better off if we stayed way back in the way backs. We would have been better off there. Why did you bring us here? It's all your fault. <laughs> hey, blame shifting. I love that one. He says... It would have been better. And then it goes on. It gets worse than this. Because fear is now influencing their thoughts, their emotions, their decision making. So they say, oh, why don't we just go up on the mountain? That's That's where part of their land is. And we'll take that mountain. It's like God saying, it's over, lads. That won't happen. They go, I know. Let's get a new leader. Woohoo. Just like that. We'll go and buy us a new leader. We'll say, this is how much money we can give you. This is our flash building we got. These are the wonderful people we have. Let's go get us a new leader. And it's like, sometimes it makes you want to be very ill. And then you go, to, you go back to Joshua, 
So Joshua was standing outside of, of Jericho now. So we've gone back because we've seen the devastation that happened with Moses before. Joshua was there, so he knows it. He knows this testimony. So he is not going to let this one get away on him. So Joshua is standing outside of the city and he knows that the people have a propensity, flash word, eh? I'm not sure what it means, but it sounds good. <laughs> the people have the propensity to talk negative. Then they have the, the think negative, this is how it goes, think negative, confess negative, and converse negatively. That's how it goes. First I'll think negatively, and then I'll confess my negative thoughts. Oh, it's not going to work. Can't work. And then the conversation with others that it influences becomes negative. So you have a negative. You have your own gang of negative, patched up to be negative, whatever, you know. And so you have these people. Imagine if you were there and Joshua decided that he just wouldn't say anything about, the, about being quiet. It would look like something like this. Day one, oh, I'm not sure about this. What if the people in the city come out? And we can't talk? We warn everybody. That's a dumb plan. We'll die out here. Hey? That's how we think. Day two, this is not a logical plan. This is war. And we, what, you want us to walk around the city? Come on, I don't need any exercise. I'm all good. And he'd be thinking, I wonder what everybody else thinks. Okay, day three. Hey guys, we've done this three days in a row, nothing's happening, this is a waste of time. This is a waste of time. Okay, day four. Haven't seen or heard anything yet, that tells me God, this is, this is, this is not God, it's not right. And so by this time we are conversing with many. And day five, Joshua reckons we've only got a couple of days to go. Oh no, Joshua doesn't know what he's doing, let's go buy us a new leader. Okay, so now it has become a committee, a committee of negativity. Day six, Joshua reckons we've only got a couple of days, but if it hasn't happened now, it's never going to happen. Day seven, we won't go. The day of the shout, the day of the victory, nobody shows up because they've talked themselves out of it. Wow. And when we come this to here, the sure thing that God was going to give us is gone because we've talked ourselves out of it. And when I said at the very beginning, we need to be careful what we're doing. Because when we decide that this is not a good plan, it's no longer about me and you talking about it. We've just said to God, you don't know what you're doing. Hey, what do you reckon is going to happen? Hey, God, you don't know what you're doing. My plan's better. And when the Bible says we're two or three agree on one thing, what do you reckon? Something's going to happen, yeah? If you speak that same thing negatively, what do you think is going to happen? We have just given ourselves over to the enemy. Amen. 
Shall it's all right out there? Are you freaked out? Yeah, I've gone right off notes, so <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so here's the thing. We are a community of faith. We believe in our God. He can do amazing things. I don't care what anybody says because I have testimonies of such things happening. Have you? then why then do we let our minds wander towards negativity? We need to encourage ourselves. When we're in, in the fellowship of the saints, we should be doing the same thing with each other as well. Come on, guy. Come on. Let me pray for you. This is going to be good. God is going to have his way. And if it's always been hard and hard, keep praying. What alternative do we have except a negative existence? That's all. I don't want that alternative. I want to keep going and keep going. I know the answer lies with God. I don't want to talk to anybody about this. The answer lies with God. End of story. Amen? Amen. Let's not be fearful. Today I just want to talk to to a couple of things that I've I've done, done. I don't talk much. Yeah, Jade's looking at me like, yeah, right. But there's a couple of things I want to talk to. Number one is fear. All of us have, at some time or other, have had to make decisions. And at times, the only thing we have is God's word, the prophetic word, or something that we've found in the scripture that speaks to our hearts. But we are fearful. Some of us are stuck in a place with that thing, and we haven't moved on because we're afraid. Now, when I first got married and I had my kids, I don't know what happened, but I became reclusive. So I sat in my house. I wouldn't let anybody in the door. I was scared. But I had to trust God. Outside of that door was my destiny. And so it was like this. People would come. One time James had a young couple come for marriage counselling. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) We just had a big scrap. It was James's fault. <laughs> and they turned up. And I was so afraid of people. I stood and I said to them, don't you let them in here. Don't you dare let them in here. I had a new baby. I thought everybody was coming to kill my baby in them days. And so James had to counsel them down in the garage. <laughs> in the winter. In the winter. See, he's making it even worse than it is. But I knew that I had to trust God. I had to trust God. Otherwise, I would have been still stuck in that house. We would be still in Martin, and I still wouldn't have had any friends. But I had to take the first step. I couldn't ask somebody to do it. I couldn't ask somebody to pray for me to do it. I had to actually go like that, out the door, and then keep walking. I had to do it. But God has blessed me, and I always owe it to that one-door experience, stepping out of there. And so there comes a time in our lives when the fear of men, the fear of the unknown, of the future, the fear of being unskilled enough or not clever enough, the fear of being as foolish, the fear of being poor and destitute has to take a back, has to take a back seat. Yeah. And we have to say, but God, you are for me. Yeah. 
who you are for me. So nobody is against me because you are my front guard. You are my rear guard. You're going to take me through this. And despite what circumstances say, despite what money you have or haven't, despite what you are able to do, despite your schooling, that doesn't matter. God can move you and shift you. And I say this from testimony. This is the one weapon I have against the enemy. The blood of the lamb, this is what we learnt in my congregation. I'm always shown off about those. They're awesome, your kids. We... The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of our lamb, that's Jesus' story. That's my weapon. The gospel is my weapon. And my testimony, what God has done for me, that's my other weapon. And I say to the devil, God has done it before. He's going to do it again. Amen? Amen? And in your lives, God wants to do it again and do it again and do it again. He doesn't want you to give up. Circumstances cause us to grow. God causes us to have the victory. Amen? Amen. Also, I want to speak to these people. Bad thoughts have crept in and we find ourselves stuck in the same place. Negative confession and negative conversation. You know that the negative thoughts that you have had have become your confession. And And now they have become your conversation the things that you share with other people. And it's now influencing you. So when you show up, people say, how are you doing? And you give them your negative confession. Yes? And others around you, to the point that you know, and you're influencing, sorry, other people around you to the point that you no longer want to be in the conversation, but you don't know how to get out. Sometimes we get in these conversations and we don't know how to get out. We've gotten in so far that we can't get out. Today, let's get free from that. Let's get free from that. Let our conversation be a confession of positive things, yes. Amen. Let's walk away from it. And your negativity has influenced those around you who care about you. It's time to release them. Amen. If your negativity has influencing the people you love, Let them go free. So let's stand to our feet. That's all I've got to say. Because the answer is simple. Bring it to the Lord in prayer. Repent. And ask God to move you forward. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's begin.